What if you were able to sit down for lunch with some of the greatest leaders in the world? What would you ask? What would they say? Welcome to the Lynch with a Leader podcast, where you're invited to join us in learning the spiritual principles behind big success. Here's your host, Mike Lynch. You know, in our 194 episodes, I think we've seen leaders of all shapes and sizes. You've seen some that you know their names, you've read their books, you've watched them on TV, you've seen their stuff on lots of other podcasts. And then there are those leaders that we've gotten to meet in some spaces and places you wouldn't expect to find them. And it may be the first time you heard their name, but it won't be the last time you remember them. And that's going to be episode 195 of the Lynchwood Leader podcast. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you. It's we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the spaces and places that God has put us. Well, I am so thrilled that you have tuned in today because you are going to really, really enjoy this episode as I get to introduce you to a great friend of mine. I want to just say a huge thank you to you. You know, it's the week of being thankful, and I'm thankful for you. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for trusting me with an hour of your time each episode as I get to introduce you to some great friends, some that are new and some that I've known for years. I hope they all add value to your leadership. And I want to say thank you for stopping and leaving ratings and reviews. Uh, Our last review on iTunes came in and uh, Rick said, outstanding. If you want to be a better person, leader or spouse, this is the one. Every podcast has had an immediate impact on my life. So many lessons learned and powerful takeaways. Thank you so much, Rick, for sharing that. Because I tell you what, you doing that helps other people find their way to us. And it means the world. So one of the best things you can do is subscribe. You can go uh, to Spotify, iTunes, or your favorite podcast application that you listen to and do that. You can go to our YouTube channel uh, at Lynch with a Leader on YouTube. And man, I'm telling you, that might be the fastest growing part of our podcast because you're able to go in and watch the episodes, and it makes it easier to show to teams and others. Well, I am so excited to have you join me today. You get to meet a great friend of mine, Chief John Robison. John is a multifaceted leader uh, from his criminal justice degree to his Master of Divinity degree to now being the chief of the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety. He's an author. He's a leadership instructor. He's got a brand new book out called Compelling Force Leadership. And John unpacks what transformational leadership looks like. You are in for a treat. So I don't know where you're listening from today, but I know this. You're going to want to pull up a chair and you're going to want to listen in to my conversation with my very good friend, Chief John Robison. Well, John, thank you so much for joining me in this episode of Lynch with a Leader. It is an honor to have you. 
Well, thank you so much. I, I'm, I'm so excited to be here with you and uh, appreciate the opportunity to get on here and, and talk with you. Well, it's fun to sit down with friends. I mean, you and I have known Absolutely. each other a long, long time. time. Well, long <laughs> before you wrote this book we're going to talk about today, we, we knew each other when uh, we just got out of studying books. So we've, yes, we, we've got, right. we've got a track record. You love leadership. Ever since I've known you, leadership's always been a bent for you. Is that something new or does that go way back in your story? You know, it's funny. I, I thought it was something new when I when I got in the profession of law enforcement back in late 01. That was never on my radar. Uh, felt, you know, like that's what God was calling me to do. Wanted to get in and serve in that way. It was always a, a passion of mine, even through high school. And then some opportunities came along the way to where I, I started, you know, finding myself in leadership roles. But as I look back now, and as I've kind of been trying to think about purpose over the years and, and kind of where God's brought me, I look back and you know, my senior year in high school, I was president of a fellowship of Christian athletes and, and some other roles like that. And I've realized now that maybe that was on my mind or something I, I connected with or enjoyed more than I realized. So I, my, my initial answer was, no, this is still fairly new to me. But then I look back in, in, in my past and I think God was maybe already kind of preparing me for that, even all the way back in middle school and high school. You know, this law enforcement journey that you're on now and have had quite a career in it. Did you see yourself going in law enforcement? Did you see yourself as that's my pathway and that's the way I'm going to go? How did, how did all that come about? Yeah, in high school, uh, I had an interest in it, definitely in college. Uh, that's where my um, my undergrad was in criminal justice. Um, you know, I actually was thinking like feds, going FBI, that kind of thing. Uh, but I, I was definitely um, uh, of the mindset that was something I wanted to try to do. I started a little bit later um, in, in, in life than some do with some some different roads I took, but ultimately, yes, yeah, since, since high school, that was kind of something I wanted to do. I had an uncle who was a sheriff in Carroll County back in the seventies. And, you know, a lot of folks in law enforcement will tell you family members kind of impact their desire to, to get in. And I think that's where mine started. And, um, you know, my dad was in the military. So just always kind of had that service oriented, at least mindset. Uh, it was just something that interested me. So I was, um, kind of on my mind since high school. You know, your faith is a big part of your journey. Is that a tough balance of balancing your faith with this rugged toughness that you've got to have to do what you and all your friends do? Is that how, how do you balance your faith and and the the justice piece of living out, you know, the law enforcement side of it? How do you do that? Yeah, it, it is tough in some ways. I think when you look at it from the perspective of, of good versus evil, and that, that may be fairly simplistic, but that really is kind of what it is all about. Um, you know, I look at it as a calling, and, and we are really trying to be peacemakers. We are trying to protect the innocent uh, from evil, from bad people, from from bad situations, uh, especially uh, one of my favorite jobs was being a detective. I talk about that in the book a little bit. And uh, I worked crimes against children, and which was very difficult to work, as you can imagine. You know, uh, seeing children children assaulted, and 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 the difficulties that come along with that. But the other side of that was I had the opportunity to protect children, and I had the opportunity to to um, you know to use that word you use justice to bring justice to those that hurt children. So I think in, in, in from that aspect of it, the good versus evil, and and you know. Um, hopefully doing it from a, a, a perspective that, you know, God is with me and, and calling me to do this uh, made it somewhat simplistic in my mind. You know, I mean, obviously there were times where it was more complicated than that, but at the end of the day, 
just trying to do good, trying to bring peace and trying to protect those that can't protect themselves. What do you pray that those in your department there in Alfreda, you're, you're the head of the department of public safety. What do you pray they know about John Robinson? How, what do you, what do you pray they see in you when it comes to your faith and how you live out day to day, not only in the office there, but out in the community, the greater community that you serve in, what would you say? So in the office, like if you walk outside my door here in our hallway, uh, all our command staffs upstairs, it in big letters, it says add, add value to our people. Mm-hmm. And that's why I feel like we exist as leaders in this organization. And for me, I want them to feel like that's why I'm here to add value to them, to develop them, to grow them. But with the understanding that where that originally comes from, for me is, is, is my relationship with God is my, is my, my walk of faith is my, you know, love God, love people. And that they're hopefully seeing that through that. So it's a, you know, the, the leadership style I implement is, is not uncommon and, you know, transformational leadership has been around for years, but I pray that uh, God's love is seen through that style of leadership and that when I engage with people and connect with people, hopefully, um, that I'm not just doing that as part of the job and being a leader, but I'm doing that uh, as a follower of Christ and somebody that wants to show them love, show them hope, show them support. Same thing in the community, right? I, I, I have, you know, God gives me a platform and I have to be careful. This is a government job, but he gives me a platform. I'm often in front of audiences and, and, and you know, have the chance to connect with a lot of people. And again, I want them to see that ultimately why I do what I do is because this is where God wants me to be. It's what God's called me to do. And that should be the goal for all of us, right? No matter what our profession, you know, God put us here and and the goal should be, and the prayer should be that I point people to him and and how I carry out my, my role, whether there's leadership and leading the department or when I was a police officer working a beat. You know, I get the privilege, John, of sitting down with you and a lot of your comrades once a month in a, in a Bible study. We sit around in our conference room and listen to y'all bust on each other and then talk <laughs> shop and then pray for each other and be there for each other in some pretty tough times. What do you wish everybody knew about men like you and, and women like you that are in this law enforcement leadership community what do you wish people knew that they probably don't know? You know, in law enforcement, it's it's paramilitary, so you have a lot of the um, you know the, the rank that goes along with that, the stars, uh, the bars, whatever, and leadership, and 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 so I think there's this um, perception of of chiefs like those like you're talking about that we sit together every month, or directors or executive leaders in, in law enforcement that. Uh, have this almost disconnected. Um, we are here to to rule and to lead and and to you know guide and tell people what to do that kind of thing. And uh, I um, again, I would love for people to understand more than than it, the job is more than just that. Again, my heart's desire is that um, that you know I, people come to work here, and it sounds almost cliche or almost silly, I guess, but I want their lives to be better because they work at our agency. You know, I want their family, you know, I mentioned that add value to them. I want to add value to their family. I want them to, to, again, feel like they're part of something unique and special. And, and so you have the day-to-day job of leading, which we all know the challenges with that, but then you have the heart part that I really do care. And, and we, and that, that, that group of men around that table, we, we all do, we all share that care. Cause again, it's a God's love that he's put into our heart. And that that's where we're maybe different than some others in that. And so you put all that together and, and, you know, to use one of my majors um, phrases, I like to share a lot. It's emotional labor. It really mm-hmm. is. And, and 
And I, I've always remembered that. And it's so true. And so I, I think that people look at it as, you know, uh, you know, the, the title, the prestige, things like that, but I don't want it to be just about that. I don't, you know, that's a part of it, but I want it to be about John Robinson, the person. And, and again, the, the, hopefully the person that's sharing God's love and, and, and taking care of the people he gets the opportunity to work with in the department and also in the community. You know, this book is fantastic. Compelling force leadership. Um, you had sent me an advance, a few months back, and I know it does your heart proud to see the finished product. You're a busy guy. You got a lot on your plate. You have a long commute. What drove you to wanting to do this? You, I mean, you you got a full time job. You got to wear multi hats. They're in that role. What drove you to want to take your philosophy of leadership and get it down on paper? That's a great question. I, I want to tell you that I had this great epiphany. You know, I, I, as you know, I, I, I teach a good bit on the side. Uh, I teach through my job, but also I have a, a side business I work with where I get to go teach leadership all over the country. I'm leaving tomorrow for a couple of days in Boston for a, a big event. And I love that. I love teaching. And I, I began to see that again, transformational leadership, which has been around since the sixties and seventies. Uh, that's, that's how I'm wired that I believe that's the best way to lead build culture. I, as I began to teach that with all these groups of leaders that I've taught over the years, I saw the connection. I saw the, yes, this is what we want and kind of a yearning for that in their own agencies and departments. And so um, as I started thinking about that, I thought, you know, how cool would it be to kind of write that down? You know, mm -hmm. I, I started with a blog a couple of years ago, played with that a little bit didn't get much traction, but it, it kind of started playing in, 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 into place, if you will, of like the three P's of leadership, you know, People, purpose, and passion, and, and the compelling force, that, that definition of influence and, and the importance of influence. And it all just kind of came together. And I was like, you know, this sounds like a book. I, I'm like you. I love reading, love reading leadership books. I've read many of them. And I was like, this sounds like a, a, a this could be a book. And so I just sat down one day and just started typing and just kind of, it just kind of flowed. Uh, I'd never done it before. You know, did a little research on how to write a book and get some ideas and, uh, but at the end of the day, I just kind of threw it out there. And then I sent it to people like the first three or four chapters to you and a couple other people that I value the opinion and knowing you read a lot of books and like, Hey, is this, should I keep going? Be honest. Is this garbage? Just stop. You're not, this is not your thing, which is Hope, fine. I don't hoping everybody time. would go, it's garbage. Stop. <laughs> exactly. Don't do it anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, everybody was like, no, you're good. This is tracking. And so, you know, with the next several months, I just kind of knocked it out, you know, and, and, uh, my kids are grown, and so it's just me and my wife, Lori, and she's extremely supportive of it. it was very helpful in a lot of the process, and so I just kind of said, let's do it and see what happens. You know, you you talk about influence and that definition of influence, the capacity or power of persons or things to be a compelling force on or produce effects on the actions, behaviors, opinions, et cetera, of others. When you're in leadership, you get the opportunity to be an influence and you spend some time right at the beginning of the book talking about the difference between a boss and a leader. And I think the easiest seat is to sit in as the positional authority boss. Mm -hmm. What's the biggest difference of a compelling force leader than just a boss? What would you say? Yeah, so it's it, I kind of talk about it, and you look at the leadership role in two different roles. You need to lead, you know, through authority. Yes, as as chief, when Alfreda hired me to come in as director of public safety, you know, they gave me authority to run this department, to the authority to oversee 250 plus employees, 
uh, and that that there is automatically a, a, a mechanism there where people are going to follow me because of that authority. But I also like to correlate it with Maxwell's five levels of leadership. You know, it's that first level is people follow you because they have to. That's fine. Mm-hmm. We all start there. Any leadership role we get in, you know, if people want to keep their job and keep their good standing. They're going to follow you because they have to. But you don't want to stay in that position. Mm-hmm. That's that's not being a leader. That's being a boss. You want to go to that next level, number two that Maxwell says, where people follow you because they want to. And that's where that's the good. influence starts become comes in. If I, if if my through my career as a leader, I only rely on my authority as a boss, I'm going to get the bare minimum out of my folks. But if I'm doing it through influence and again, through adding value to them and through that compelling force leadership that we talk about in the book, uh, they're going to be more apt to be purpose-driven. They're going to be more apt to, to be on board with what we're trying to do, create buy-in. And, and so it's a win-win. It's a win for me as a leader, having employees that are working at a much higher level, but it's a win for them because they feel like they're valued. They feel like they're part of something that matters. I love the phrase, they're playing for something bigger than themselves. And that's the difference between influence and, and utilizing that pathway of leadership versus I'm just the boss, you know, and especially in this profession, I mean, it's been pretty popular over the years. Um, I'm the boss, I'm the chief, you do what I say and just do it and don't question it, right? And that, that falls from the military background, which there are times where we have to do that, obviously. But day in and day out, we're going to do much better. We're going to build a much more dynamic and healthy culture. We're going to build greater leaders ourselves and develop people through influential leadership versus just through autocratic and um, uh, power-based leadership. We all know that, but yet we want to lean into that autocratic positional authority. Why? Why do we want to lean back into that? Even though we know it's not the best play, we know we know transformation's the best thing. Transformational leadership's the best thing. Why do you think we we lean in the transaction and just do what I say? Why, why do you think that is? So I think there's, for me personally, I think there's two reasons. Number one, and this is something we all have to be careful with in leadership. I don't care whether you're a pastor or running a, a you know, you're CEO of a company. It's ego. Ego's mm-hmm. a big part of that. And we all know how ego can easily trip us up along the way. So I think ego is part of it. I'm going to be honest with you, and this may not be the same response you would get from other people. It's easier. It's easier for me just to tell people what to do and then expect them to go do it. The transformational approach, the trying to create uh, a team environment, uh, getting input, you know, communicating well down the chain and up the chain, creating value for our people, uh, all the things that we talk about, it's hard work. And it's, uh, much more, again, much more emotional labor, and there's much more involved in that, whereas I can just fire and forget as an autocratic leader, all right, you go take care of this, whether it's the best thing to do or not, whether it's the most effective way to handle whatever it is we're handling or not, it's easier for me just to tell you what to do and do it. So I think ego is part of it sometimes, and I do think it's just the easier way to do it. And it, and honestly, a lot of us have been have been raised under leaders that acted that way. And that's kind of all we know. And so a lot of autocratic leaders worked under autocratic leaders and they don't really know anything different. It, I, I totally agree with you. And I think people like, I think there's an inherent part of people that just expect it. And yeah. so it's easy to slide in that role because that's what's expected, but that's not going to be leadership to last. And what I love about the book, John, is you, really did a great job you you are a you're a big reader you're a big learner so it's not just your thoughts on this you you were able to con- 
really combine a lot of different thought leaders, sort of like our first book we went through, Spiritual mm-hmm. Leadership by Blackaby. I mean, there's a lot of history in this. There's a lot of um, just external things outside the law enforcement community where you hit into it and you talk about adding value to people. That's a, that's a phrase. And and you use this quote and I thought this was so good. As you move up the leadership ladder, your perspective will change as will your responsibilities. However, transformational leaders continue to ensure their people are their number one priority, regardless of their position. You've been in the role you're in now for a while. How do you continue to keep people at the forefront of your leadership? It's not easy sometimes, but I I hit on this big in the book. And and this is one of those things over the years I've learned is vital that the way you make sure you keep the people in the proper place regarding your, you know, prioritizing them in your leadership role is by engaging with them. You have to connect with them. You know, one of the things I hear when I when I talk to the classes I teach or, or, or hear from other people in the profession about people that move up the chain sometimes is they quote forget where they came from you know and that's and listen it, it, it is different and and there is a there are different responsibilities I, I talk about the book the ten thousand foot view versus the thirty thousand foot view and the things that change but at the end of the day the way leaders uh, keep their people in front of them is by staying connected to them I you know a couple of stories I, I shared in the book and. And you're right, I brought a lot of stories in, like about Eisenhower and the day before D-Day, but not just that day, just how he was in general, about how he was always intentional and opportunistic and and connecting with his people and going by and talking to the soldiers, not just, you know, I mean, hey, are you ready for tomorrow? But, you know, tell me where you're from, young man. Oh, I'm from I'm from Michigan. Oh, I used to go fly fishing there. Tell me about your hometown. And he understood the importance. Now, he was responsible for 150,000 soldiers. He couldn't see every one of those soldiers. But he took advantage and was also intentional in creating opportunities to make sure he got in front of his people. He was a busy man. And, you know, another example I gave was Michael Dowling, uh, who ran the largest healthcare organization in New York during uh, New York State during COVID, 77,000, I believe, employees. And COVID hit. And if you remember, New York was especially just off the chain, terrible with, with all the issues they were having there. And he made it a priority to go to all the facilities, all the hospitals, and meet and see his people. And so I think. We lose sight of that. We get busy with our, our chief or our leadership jobs sometimes, but we the way we keep our people in priority is making sure that we engage with them and connect with them as much as possible. What's a simple way you do that that is a daily reminder of what it's about? What's a, what's a discipline you've put into place? Because you're a very disciplined guy. What's a discipline you've put in place to make sure that that stays forefront for you? So, uh, and again, I'll, I'll be the first to say I, I don't always do well with it, but I, you know, for me, it's, you know, I've got, I've got police officers, roll calls, I've got fire stations and I've got dispatch, which basically they have their shifts. And so for instance, I, I keep a chart uh, of, of our, our fire stations. We have six fire stations, three shifts. So that's 18 different groups theoretically to visit. And, you know, a couple of weeks ago I went to, you know, station 84 C or whatever it was, I highlighted. Okay. And, and so I keep up with who, you know, I've seen these and, and I try to be strategic and going by, and again, I'm not always good at it and going by, all right, I haven't been by 86 C yet, or I haven't been by 81, you know, B yet. And I right, just drop in literally just drop by. And sometimes I drop by, they're not there. They're on a call. I'll throw something on the board, say, Hey, came by, I'll catch you again. Sometimes I go in, it's a 10 minute conversation. Sometimes I'm there for an hour, you know, and I'm going, there could be 10 other things I'm doing, but 
I've learned the value of that. It, it, it means a lot to them for me just to swing by and say, hey, no agenda. What can I do for you? Anything going on? We may just talk sports or whatever. Who knows? Talk about family. Same thing on the police side, roll calls. We have morning and evening roll calls, six and six in the morning, five at night. And so I try to be strategic from time to time and just going by, dropping in. How's it going? Um, you know, and uh, same thing with with uh, 911. They're a little more difficult because when you walk in their area, they may actually be on the phone taking calls. But uh, it's, it's things like that. I, but you have to be intentional. I, I literally try to, and I talk about that in the book, try to schedule those times, make sure that I'm tracking that so I can as much as possible. And another thing I do is uh, I try to go where I know they're going to be. If they're in in-service training, I may drop by for a few minutes or I may go to a class with them this morning. I went by our local coffee shop. I think I mentioned this in the book, one of the coffee shops here in Alfred, and we have, you know, 58 of them here, but there's one in particular that all our, our police, especially like to go by. So I went by this morning to get a cup of coffee and there were literally six officers that dropped by to do the same thing. And mm -hmm. so that was five or 10 minutes, you know, just to engage, shake their hand, how you doing? So trying to be intentional in, in doing that. And you talk about in the book, how you use your words encouragement's a big piece of this so who encourages you you're you're a big encourager and you're very thoughtful when it comes to the leadership piece and not wasting your leadership who is somebody that walks in your life because the higher up the ladder you climb the less people that think about those kind of things who is providing encouragement to you and how valuable is it you know, it's funny that here internally in the organization, there's just a few, a handful, and they may be, you know, at the lieutenant level or even officer level, but folks that just will come by and say, hey, you're always checking on us. How are you doing? You mm -hmm. know, and and that that goes a long way. That means a lot to me. There's 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 several believers here, several followers of Christ, you know, that, that uh, we we all know we share the same faith and, and they'll check in and say, hey, how can I pray for you? And so. That means a lot, uh, you know, at home again, having a wife that has to, you know, has been tremendously supportive of this profession throughout the crazy schedules and everything else and such an encourager. And, and honestly, you, you made reference to our group. I will tell you, I just shared this morning with, with our leadership team, the importance of having a group of quality leaders to connect with as that helps us grow. But for me, it's so much more than that, because again, I'm encouraged every time I walk away from that time together with our, our team, our group, because, uh, number one, they understand, we all understand each other. Um, you know, we may cut up and play and mess around, but at the end of the day, we pray for each other. Uh, we appreciate the journey of being a leader, but trying to do so as, as, as a, a Christian leader, you know, and showing God's love. And, and, uh, I get, I get greatly encouraged by that as well. You know, it's so funny, you know, you get a group together like that and you're like, well, it must be something in the lesson that was shared. And normally the takeaway for everybody's never on a sheet of paper. It's it's an <laughs> offhanded comment that somebody made in the moment where the Holy Spirit was driving their lives. And you're like, okay, that was what I needed. That was, that was, but if you don't have environments like that, if you don't expose yourself, what would happen to you as a leader if you got not got discouraged because we all do but you stay discouraged how would that affect you trying to be a compelling force leader and influence others the way you want to i, I think in the long run you know again i'll, I'll use that third b that's the passion part right yeah. and if you're in a constant state of discouragement and you're right there are times where uh you know i, I mentioned in the book i think one of the days i was writing i was like what in the, what in the world am i doing 
writing this book. I, yeah. This is not a good day. It was one of those bad days. And like, who am I to talk about leadership? I was discouraged. I still remember that day very specifically at my dining room table. Um, but yeah, if you, if we stay in that state of mind, um, I, I'm not going to have that passion, uh, that, that, that I need to be hopefully igniting the passion of our people. Um, you know, uh, contagion, um, emotional contagion, something I mentioned in the book, it talks about how my emotional state does have an impact on others and vice versa. Right. And so, um, I understand that part of my role, especially is I need to bring that positive energy, that positive perspective as much as possible. But, uh, you know, yeah, I get discouraged and I have really bad days, bad weeks, whatever. And, but I do think I have to do my best to try to kind of keep that at bay, if you will. And, utilize like our team our group or you know there have been times where we've all you know shot a text to each other hey yeah. this just happened pray pray for me you know we just lost an officer pray for whatever that may be and so having people like that um to pray for each other to pray for me again family support all that kind of stuff is huge and and uh, but I, I we don't need to be carrying that uh on our you know uh on our persona every day we come to work either because that can that can you know we're gonna have bad days but I need to be careful not to allow that to become who I am for a long period of time because that's that's going to hurt my ability to lead effectively. You know, that encouragement goes both ways. We need it. We need to give it. And one of the ways we give it is through the words that we share. And you spend a lot, a lot of time talking about the power of communication and the words that we use. How much do you think through what you say to somebody and how you say it. You you give an illustration in there about a, a nickname that you were given during a season of your life <laughs> and how just frustrating that nickname was and what it said to you. How do you guard yourself against being that for somebody else where your words are breathing life into them, not death? I would like to tell you that uh, I, I do that well. Uh, I'm that is still a work in progress. Uh, I, I have always been that that type of person that didn't always have a very effective filter, if you will. What came to mind came out of mouth. But I've learned that's first of all that's not that's not often honoring God, just in general, right? Uh, um, one of the things I tell our, our command staff is the higher up you go, the more people hang on your every word. Oof. Literally, um, you know, there have been times where you know you and I may be having a conversation. If you're one of my officers, and I. Ask, they ask a question. Yeah, absolutely. I'll check into that and get back with you. And that may be one of 50 conversations I had that day. Well, for me, that's just something else that we I talked about. But for you as the officer, you're hanging on that, waiting for the chief to get back and, and say, hey, where's where's my answer to that question? Or you said you would follow up. And so so I learned that early on. And so that, that kind of brought forth even more the James, you know, uh, the biblical principle of the power of our words, the power of our tongue, and how it can be a fire. And so I do try, again, I'm not telling you I'm always great at it, but I do try to be very intentional when I know I'm going to go to roll call or I'm going to see people that I'm careful to, to build up and, and as much as possible. And, and uh, you know, where you have to be careful is when you get those impromptu conversations where you're just hanging out, talking, cutting up or whatever. I've learned even then, for me, like, you know, sarcastic humor, we, we tend to do that in this profession a lot, right? Well, that's fine to a certain degree, but actually – from my role now that can be damaging or hurtful in, in my mind, we're just cutting up. Right. But so I, I, I'm much better than I used to be, but I also know that I still have to work on that because everything that comes out of my mouth, first of all, should be honoring God. But secondly, is an opportunity to again, add value to our people and to, 
to be that kind of compelling force leader that I, I strive to be. You know, you talk about people and you talk about purpose as one of your P's. What's the difference, John, between purpose-driven leadership and just leadership? Because I think everybody's trying to lead. How does the, being a purpose-driven leader differentiate you or people leading like that from others? If you, I feel like, at least for me personally, if you don't have a purpose, if you if you come to work and and you don't have, you're not driven by a purpose. A lot of a lot of times when you come to work, you are being more reactive, and you're you know we all have to come in and put out fires. Purpose driven leaders, no matter what's going on, they're still purpose driven. So I I take my purpose statement off of our mission statement. Our mission statement is to enhance the quality of life of those that live, work, and play in Alpharetta. So my personal mission statement, purpose statement, is to enhance the quality of life of those that come to work for the Alpharetta Department of Public Safety. So again, theoretically, my purpose is always first and foremost about our people. So no matter what's going on, good day, bad day, I mean, you get, the best example is to go back to 2020, COVID, riots, things like that. We're all dealing with stuff we've never dealt with before, but my purpose is still to ultimately come to work every day. It looks different, but it still should be about, again, our people. And so I think that's especially when things aren't going well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we're all facing staffing issues. We're all struggling with that right now. All the things that we deal with day in and day out, uh, being purpose-driven means no matter what's happening around me or what, what's been thrown in my lap, my purpose is still the same. And somehow, some way, that's about, you know, taking care of, of, of our people and then, of course, serving our community. So I think it I think it keeps you on the straight and narrow as far as that path. I, I think I use this in the book. You know, when we all go through the mandate in the academy, we have to do a skid pad. And you, you, you do driver training, and you get on the skid pad, you're skidding back and forth to learn how to drive into the skid. And I remember my instructor said, as you're sliding all over the place, focus on that cone all the way at the other side. And no matter what, don't stop focusing on the cone and you'll be able to get the skid back into place. And I was, of course, that helped me then. But now I look at that. What a tremendous purpose driven leadership uh, analogy that is that even when I'm skidding all over the place and life's going crazy, I'm still focusing on that one thing. Ultimately, my purpose is in in taking care and, and leading our people. How much do you share that with others? So you've got a whole vast leadership team with you in your command staff, some other in, in every department that you lead has that. How, how much do you let your purpose out? Is that something that's just an internal thing or is that something you go, no, I talk about it with people all the time. What would you say? I, I talk about it with people all the time. I think it's important to put it out there. I think also it helps, honestly, it helps hold me accountable, you know, yeah. and, 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 and throwing that out and, and that I practice what I preach on that. But also, uh, you know, I, 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 I teach, I lead our team and in, in being purpose driven and we are as an organization, but also as, as individual leaders being purpose driven. And so I think part of the way I need to do that is by emulating to them, you know, what that looks like. And so that's why I talk about it constantly. Uh, that's why we put it up on the wall. That's why, you know, I integrated in, in written communication, whatever that may be. You know, I, I want uh, our folks to hear that all the time. When I hire people, they come in, they sit on my sofa, and I tell them, you know, we talk about the job and that kind of thing, but I let them know one of the first things they hear from me, this is the first time they meet me, is, listen, my job is this and this, but ultimately my job is 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 you, you know, pointing to them and saying, we're here to, again, enhance your quality of life. We're here to add value to you, develop you, grow you, 
And so uh, ideally they hear that from me. They want. In the book and you, and you hit it here a second ago, you end talking about one of your piece passion and keeping the saw sharp. How do you stay sharp? How do you, you, you travel the country speaking, you lead a, an incredible organization. You are a dad, you're a husband. How do you stay sharp so you can be the best compelling force leader you can be? The, the, the four ways that I talk about in the book, you know, I, again, I, I would like to say that I, I am uh, perfect in all these ways. I'm not. I often <laughs> find myself getting dull at times, but, but I know, you know, first and foremost, again, is trying to ultimately be uh, the leader God calls me to be. I have to start with that, right? I have to start with, with walking with him, with, with connecting with him, spending time with him. That's why it's so important to start my day with him. And, and so that, that ultimately, that's not just work, that's life, right? That's everything in life. Uh, as I know you can appreciate, but four of the things I talk about in the book is the physical, uh, the exercise, not just because of the cardio and the good for your heart, things like that. It's a great stress relief, uh, stress reliever studies, research shows that actually the more you exercise, the better judgment you have and, and making decisions, which I need all the help I can get yeah. with that. So the physical, uh, then the spiritual, and I talk about, and that may mean something different for different people reading the book, but ultimately for me, it's keeping my priorities in line. Hopefully, again, I don't always do that well, but faith, family, and then work and whatever else should fall in there. So ideally, that's that's their uh, mental sharpness, keep myself mentally sharp. You know, um, leaders are readers. Matt has said that. And I do believe that exercising our mind through reading, podcasts, uh, things like that. And then relationally, uh, Harvard did a study 70 years ago that said, you know, or I'm sorry, did a 70-year study, excuse me. They did a 70-year study on what's the one key to happiness in life for everybody. And they came back and said it's relationships. And and again, we, you know, as Christians, we know that, understand that. But again, trying to have healthy relationships. So I think it's, it, it, again, leadership so much about intentionality. And this is that leading ourselves first and making sure I'm taking care of myself physically, spiritually, mentally, and relationally. Uh, that's the way to stay sharp. Again, I'm not going to tell you I always do well in doing that, but that is definitely, I think, a good um, recipe for for trying to maintain our, our sharpness. You know, we we talk about leading in the spaces and places that God's put us in. In this season, He has you in a space and a place. What do you think ultimately Jesus wants from John Robinson? From how you lead and how you work, what do you think? At the end of it all, he's going to hold you accountable for with the space and place he's put you in. I mean, I, I don't just think I know because it, it's he made it very clear in Scripture, you know, and in his last few words before he ascended is we're supposed to tell people about him. We're supposed to, you know, again, going back to the greatest command when he was asked, love God, love people, right? We're supposed to show the love of Christ. We're supposed to talk about so i think ultimately uh it's that's why he has me here in this role uh is to be an avenue of his love and hopefully pointing people to him and that may look different with different people in different times whether sharing faith or just sharing encouragement or whatever but hopefully again the goal should be to point people to him and his love and that you know what he has to offer and i think that's ultimately what we're all responsible for whatever he calls us to do what I love about Chief Robinson is I've known him for so long, 
And now I'm watching him lead at this high level. And I've got a front row seat. We spend a morning together each month with another group, with a group of police chiefs learning about spiritual leadership and unpacking not only God's word together, but leadership together and how uh, the Lord is working in each of our lives and how he's, he's guiding us in leadership and Chief Robinson is a transformational leader. And what will give you hope, there's a lot of guys out there like him that are making a difference in places and spaces you don't expect to find somebody like him. Chief Robinson, thank you so much. I hope you'll go to the show notes and order a copy of Compelling Force Leadership or order copies for your team. Well, in our next episode, we continue uh, the march towards 2024 by sitting down with Jerry Dugan. Jerry and I met for the very first time, had a great conversation about how to get out of the ruts of life. And it was, his story is so compelling, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. Once again, thanks for joining. I hope you've subscribed so you never miss an episode. And I also hope to see you again next time. So wherever you're at today, in whatever capacity you lead in, let's love God, let's love people, and let's live sent and make a difference for him. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.